Well, it's good to be with you again. <clears throat> I went through withdrawals after March. Said I ended up going to Mexico City for a couple of weeks just to get away. I usually go and when I speak, I have a friend there who translates for me. So I tried something different this time. I did it in Spanish, and he translated my Spanish. <laughs> that, was, that was a lot of fun. But uh, we're good. Um, this morning, if you want to uh, follow with me a bit, you got a, got your book. Uh, we're going we're gonna to move around a bit, but we're hanging with the key theme uh, that you're going to find in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse 17. I'd really like to do the, the whole chapter. I'd like to do the whole letter, I, but we'll find our limitations here somewhere. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 17. Uh, keep something in mind, and it, it, um, it's hard for me to comprehend. I mean, I can't. Uh, to think that it's been 2,000 years since Jesus walked the face of this earth in his person. It's been 2,000 years, you know, give or take a couple of decades there, uh, that Paul wrote this letter to the believers in the city of Corinth. 2,000 years. I don't even remember 10 years ago. We had a gathering of, uh, at our house uh, last night, uh, a barbecue of uh, people uh, 55 and older. They're not old, they're just older. But there's one thing we all share in common. We can't remember anything. And we talked about things that happened five years ago, and it was 20 years ago. I, it's just that happens. But I'm looking at this 2,000 years ago. This word, this gospel, has been with us. And because of faithful believers, get this, because of faithful believers... Sharing that gospel and the good news over those 2,000 years, you and I have been introduced to God, to his love, and to his son Jesus, who offered his life as a sacrifice for us. And we get the privilege of being a part of that history and a part of that future. We get the privilege by the calling of God to represent him in this world. The world and age in which we live. And to pass on to others the things we've learned so they can pass on to others also. It's a privilege God's given us. In Paul's second letter he, uh, to the Corinthians, uh, he describes uh, what God has done and our responsibility to him and to our world. In verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, new things have come. Jesus, in talking with Nicodemus, called it born again. These new things. Uh, you need a new thing. You need a new start. You need a new heart. 
You need to be born again, Nick. And says, all of us who are in Christ, who have trusted and placed their faith in him and what he did for us on the cross, we are new creatures. I could say we're also becoming new creatures, but we are new creatures in God's eyes. We are now his. We are now born spiritually anew. We're new beings. I said, I wish my life would look like it more often. There's some progress. But you have to know me a long time ago. But they're new things, and they're new things that have come to us. And among those new things is that we have a relationship with God. He's our Father, and we're His children. And as His children, we're His family. These are new things. They weren't there before Christ. But they're there in our lives today because of Him. Verse 18 says, Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So he's saying, having been reconciled, we are now all charged to be the ministers of reconciliation in the lives of others. This ministry is, as it says in verse 19, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Are you following this? Through faith in Christ, we are new beings. And with this new creation that we are, we found it came about because we were reconciled with God through Christ. And having been reconciled, we have now been given the work, the ministry of passing on that message of reconciliation to others. That's how we get to know today, 2,000 years later. We have the words, we have the message, we have the gospel, we have the good news that will result in others being reconciled with God. Verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled with God. So what's the ministry? To all that we meet, look for opportunities to share the message, the gospel, that can result in someone being reconciled. And calling them, come, come and know Jesus. Come and walk in the newness of life that's his. Wherever you are, whatever you're dealing with at this point in time, God can meet you, is ready to meet you, is already present. And we've been sent out as ambassadors, as representatives of God with this message. And then Paul restates the message again in the verse 21. He, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, those words mean a lot to me personally. But 50 years ago, when I came to faith, I didn't understand anything I just read. Only thing I walked away with is that God is, and he wants me to come to him. That for some reason that didn't make sense to me, God sent his son Jesus to die and that was necessary for me to have a relationship with God. That's all I knew. Six months later, I was in a context and 
uh, in which a conversation in which someone wanted me to defend. I said I was a, I was a believer in Christ. I was a Christian, and they and they wanted me to prove it to them. And I was absolutely blown away with what I had comprehended in just six months and reading the Bible and hearing the messages and understand what this means now. But when I'm sharing this gospel with somebody, it's like speaking in another language. And that's why it's so important to us that when we share the gospel, we do it in a way of introducing them to the good news. For 20 years of my life, I was involved in high school evangelism kind of ministry. And uh, I'd get up in the morning, I'd put my holsters on, and I'd load my gun with gospel bullets, and I shot everybody I could get. Some fell over and some dodged. You know, but that's kind of how I, I, I said I regret my, my relationship, my behavior with, with many of the young people that I met because of that mentality. All I had to do was deliver the words. I just burp, and something good will come out of it. And I'm going, somewhere along the line here, I don't see Jesus doing that. He engaged, engaged the Samaritan woman at the well. She was coming because she was thirsty and had to have water to live. And he offered to her the water of life that springs up into eternal life. He spoke to her where she lives. What was in her heart and mind and engaged in, and, and engaged in conversation in which she, she became aware of her need in that conversation for a right relationship with God. Nicodemus, a religious ruler in the night, came at night. And the only reason I can reason to think that he came at night is he didn't want anybody else to see him. But he came and he says, um, uh, started a conversation about eternal life. And Jesus cut right to the, the core of what was in his heart and said, Nick, you need to be born again. He said, I'm a grown man. I can't enter my mother's womb again and be born a second time. He was only thinking in a fleshly sense, in a, in a world mindset. And he says to Nick, do you see the wind? Do you see the leaves rustling there in the trees? I'm adding a little bit here. But you said, do you see the wind? Said, no, I don't see the wind. But you see the effects of the wind. You see the leaves moving. So it is with the Spirit of God. See, he talked to him about issues in his life that he was dealing with is... Where's the spiritual dynamic of this stuff I've been practicing in my religious leadership in the Jewish faith? And Jesus called him to an awareness of a spirit world that's here and alive. And I said, can I learn, can I, can I walk into the city of Jericho and there's a little guy hanging on a branch on top of a sycamore tree. They called him Zach. I called him Zach. They called him Zacchaeus. And Jesus stopped in the middle of all the multitude around him and said, Hey, you, Zach, come on down. I'm coming to your house for dinner today. He saw Zach's interest and he went with that interest and he affirmed him in his person by saying, I'm coming to your house for dinner tonight. Can I understand that when I'm sharing the gospel, when I'm introducing somebody to a relationship with God, I do it on a personal relationship and not from a distance shooting at them. That's why I titled what I've got here is the whole idea is that I'm introducing people to the gospel. I'm moving all over the place in my notes. I'm almost at the end. So I backtrack with you here or not. But 
my, my point to start with in this text is that we're, we're all, we are all God's spokesmen. You've been reconciled. You're a minister of reconciliation. You're an ambassador. Pretty simple. This is not a new thing to us. Um, there are other verses we have here in Colossians 2, verse 5, 8, uh, in chapter 5, verse 18. We are ministers of reconciliation. And down in verse 20, it says, we are ambassadors of Christ. In Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus was preaching to him, he says, we are salt of the earth. We are light of the world. He didn't say, I'd like you to be salt and have some influence on the world you live in. He said, you are He didn't say, I'd like you to be a light, just a bright spot in the neighborhood you live in and in the place where you work and where you go to school and among your family. He said, I'd like you to consider being a light here. He says, you are a light. And then he makes just two comments. You're salt, but are you salty? Or are you worthless only to be thrown out to melt the snow? I don't know how to do that here. You're light. Or you're hiding it under a bushel basket. He said, you are salt and you are light. The question is, what's the quality of it? We are ministers of reconciliation. We are his ambassadors. What kind of, what kind of job are we doing here? Do they know we're an ambassador? Or are we hanging out at the coffee shop and... Just gabbing about anything. Or am I here with a heart and a concern for people who don't know that they might come to faith? Jesus, in his words before he ascended to heaven, he said to his disciples, it's recorded in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. When the Holy Spirit comes, and he's coming, and he's here, by the way, you will be my witnesses. So all I'm saying is that we are his spokesman. The question is, what's the quality of our speaking? What are we representing? And so then I ask the question, if that in fact we are his spokesman, what are we to say? What are we to share with people as his spokesman? Well, the command is pretty clear throughout Scripture. I'm only calling up one here, and that's Mark chapter 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Paul expressed it this way in his letter to the, the Romans. He said, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, don't get confused with the Jew and the Greek thing. He didn't include Americans here or you know, Latinos or he didn't. That's not the point. The context here. You were Jewish or you were Gentile, Greek. And so he's coming down to just saying the simple thing is this. Anyone who believes, it is salvation to them. 
kind of what you're being saved from, what is salvation, that we can talk, but we're not right now today. But I'm looking at the message, the gospel that results in salvation. That is what we are to share. I'd looked at the word uh, gospel. I thought it's kind of a strange word um, in my vocabulary and life. I only know it in the context of church, other than until I got introduced to some of the the uh, black community and, and the gospel music. That was really, really pleasurable to me. But the word gospel is uh, a different word. But I found it. I found the Greek uh, in it. Iagalizo. Iagalizo. It means to announce good news. And it comes from two words. Yao mean good. And agelo means to announce. So the word which translated in our Bibles called gospel literally is good news. The word gospel comes to us out of Old English. Goss, uh, God, and uh, tell, gospel is, comes from tell, uh, means a story or a message. That's how we get the word gospel. But the word gospel translated here means good news. Agalo, to, uh, to announce, comes from the word uh, agelos, which is angel or messenger. You get in the picture what the gospel is? It's good news that we announce. It's the gospel. It's intended to be announced. And you saw this gospel in our opening text here in in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. This gospel is, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Meaning, you're separated from God and there needs to be a reconciliation that happens here. Things are not well between you and God and there needs to be a reconciliation that happens. This is good news. That it's possible that we can be reconciled with God. It was in Christ reconciling the world. And it was in Christ this reconciliation takes place. And the result is that our trespasses are no longer counted against us. That's good news. I offended my sister something royally 50 years ago. I came to faith and she needed to know and she took my message as condemnation. It took 50 years, but three years ago, she came to faith in Christ. See, there's reconciliation that's possible, and that's the gospel. And then in verse 21, another statement of the gospel here in in our text. He made him, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, a sinless man, to become sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. A little cryptic to us without having the whole story here, but the simple fact that it is in this, God sent his son Jesus, a perfect man, lived a perfect life among us, to take upon himself all of our sin, sinfulness. And God in his justice judged that sin in his son Jesus on the cross. Jesus paid the price that we deserve. And if we believe that, he reconciles us to the Father on the basis of his sacrifice on our behalf. The penalty has been paid. You're free. Come. 
That's the good news we have to share. First Peter chapter 3. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Two verses many of you know, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned, all of us are guilty. And Romans 6.23. For the wages, the penalty, the payment for sin is death. And that's what Jesus did for us. He died taking our sin upon himself. But with that, he gave us the free gift of God, eternal life through him. So the gospel is the good news. Now the question I want to ask, I want to spend a little time with you here, things that I've learned over the years in sharing the gospel. Some will relate to scripture specifically. Some of this I'm going to start with. You who were here in March, in my next to last time in my series here with you, we were in Colossians uh, chapter 4. Uh, verses 3 through 6. And I'm going to look at some of that with you together for the behalf of the Barnabas team that's with us and as a reminder to the rest of you. How do we share this gospel? How do we do this? And Paul makes a description of this in Colossians 4, chapter 3. He says in verse 3, Praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. So the first thing I know about how do I share it, I share it with a deep sense of dependence on God in prayer. I pray, God, I'm going out. I just ask that you give me eyes to see people who are looking for you. Give me ears to hear things that are said, that I have, a, I have a response from you to this person. Go before me. Open a door to a person's heart and life. Just help me to walk through my day and my life aware of the people around me. Help me to see the person standing in line in front of me that has a little kid and is not paying any attention to what they're doing. It's just extremely irritating. And I want to get in and out of this place. And then as long as this is going, then she strikes up a conversation with the clerk. I'm going, come on. Can I love this? Can I express some kind of, of appreciation to this person who's, who, who has a child, cares for this child, trying to look after him? Pulled all apart in her life because she's got to go shopping with a kid. But this, I want to do that. I don't, you know, you know all the things that happen there. Can I just see this as a real person and not an irritant? Can I go through my life? Oh, Carly, you can't say anything. Can I drive down the freeway and not yell at everybody? Someone's got to yell at them. I don't So you get, my, you get my point here. I said, how can I be aware as I go through my day that I see the things I see with, with eyes and a heart of love? And I can only do that if there's awareness in my heart and mind of God. And that comes when I pray and I commit the day to him. I commit the situation I'm going into. Uh, you Barnabas folk who are going to be here are going to be in a lot of different situations here in the next couple, few weeks here. And you're going to have opportunities to be that ambassador of Christ, to, to be a minister of reconciliation. You're going to have that opportunity. It's a privilege. Be excited about it. 
You can be fearful. That's okay. But trust the Lord in it and see what he does. When I came to faith in junior high, I was just ignorant. I didn't know I was supposed to be ashamed. I wanted everybody to know. And that for, I'm grateful to God that has never changed in all these years. I just want everybody to know. But think about it. I come with a heart of prayer so that I may speak forth the mystery of Christ. And that I may speak it clearly was his, was his statement. And the next verse, uh, verse 5, says, Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders. One. Two, make the most of the opportunity. Three, let your speech always be with grace as the seasoned with salt. Four, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Four things. How do I share the gospel? These are four things that be very helpful to you. When God opens a door, relate to that person with wisdom. Be thoughtful about who they are and what you're sharing with them. Live wisely, personally. Conduct yourselves with wisdom. Live life wisely. What others see in you adds or detracts from your credibility. Can you be present with somebody and be present with them? Or are you there and your brain somewhere else? See what I'm saying? How you act is going to affect how they respond. Open the door or not open the door. Actions speak louder than words. You've heard that. And far too often they speak so loud nobody can hear what you're saying. We're going to talk about how you do that. Make an appropriate... Let's salt. I said salt your speech with grace. Be, grace. Be gracious in the things you say. Say things that are affirming. I don't know if I've learned yet. I think I still have to learn because I see responses. I, I, I see funny things in just about everything around me. And I often say them. And that often opens the door to somebody. Uh, there's sometimes when it offends. I, I have yet to sort that one out. But I seek to do the things that are gracious to somebody, affirming to somebody, um, and in the context of conversation about life, I speak of my faith. I don't speak at them about my faith. I speak of my faith. And what that has almost consistently generated is a question from the other person about this faith I'm talking about. What is this faith? What is this God you've been speaking about? How do, how do you know God is there and cares about you? Because we're at a level of conversation that's just friendly. Three verses have been helpful to me in relating to others. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13. He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and a shame to him. It'd be wise for you to have conversation with somebody and listen to their heart before you deliver a message that could release them in life. Listen before you speak. Seek to understand where the other person's coming from, what's in their heart and mind, what they need, what they want. Second verse that comes to me is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Acknowledge Christ as your Lord. 
Lord, I'm walking into this situation. It's over my head. I'm walking into this situation. I really don't want to be here. I'm walking into this situation. It's difficult. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. But Jesus is there with you. And you've committed yourself to him. Set him apart in your heart and your life. Put him in a special place in in the context of all the relationships you have. Always be prepared. Doesn't say to preach the gospel. Peter, boisterous Peter, learned something in life. He said, always be prepared to give an answer. To everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. What did that just say? Whoever you're talking to recognizes that you have hope. It came out of the conversation. It came out of your life. It comes out of what they know about you, whatever. But the person you're talking to recognizes that you have a hope they don't have. And they ask you about this hope that you have. You see how different that is than just yelling at somebody just just bullet out the gospel I can say it in four points in in one third of a second (laughs) well not quite but you get my point always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that's in you why is it that you believe what you believe why is it you have confidence that God's present with you why why is it you have confidence in the scriptures that you read these, these promises from? Or these instructions to come in faith in him? How, how do you do that? And to make sure that as you have this conversation that you do it with gentleness and you do it with respect. I don't have to write off somebody that doesn't embrace what I share. Just a whole lot of people in my life that it was a year, two years, three years later that they came to faith. That's God's call. Not ours. The third verse that's uh, verses that uh, set that means something to me here is Philippians chapter two. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Just simply take a posture that other people around you are more important than you. That's hard for me. I'm on an agenda. I'm on a pace. I'm out. I'm just get out of my way. I got stuff to do for God. That's not what he said. Regard the people around you as more important than yourself. And when you do... You open a door to their heart and life. I'm going to think back over this last week. Who expressed any interest or concern about your welfare? And meant it. See, it's so rare in our society for this to happen. That when you really do it, it gets attention. Be wise in relating with unbelievers. Show interest. And interest will return to you. Be gracious, kind, and caring. Be a humble learner. And I'm finding that the only way that I can pull this off in my mind and in my heart is if I do what Jesus called his disciples to be about in Luke chapter 9. If anyone wishes to come after me, Jesus said, he must deny himself, 
and take up his cross daily. Die daily. And just do what I tell you. Follow me. I just have to, I have to come to that. I really like the fact that Luke included the word daily here. The other two gospel accounts don't have the word daily in it, but it's, I, Luke got the message. It's a daily deal. It's a living sacrifice. It keeps crawling off the altar. A dead man has nothing to promote and nothing to protect. Gives you a lot of freedom in your conversation with somebody. A conversation opens the door of the heart. Just have a conversation. It's the quickest way into a person's heart. It clarifies what the other person values and what they want in life. The conversation will. And it gives you the interest to how to address that concern and interest in their life with the gospel. And having a conversation with somebody demonstrates that you value them. And so what opens up a conversation? Being friendly, showing interest in the other person. Um, What opens up a conversation? Acknowledge the other person, recognize them. Affirm them in some way. Ask them a question that that could strike up a conversation to follow. Listen to learn, to understand. Listen in the conversation to learn about the person and to come to understanding about them. And let confident humility mark you. What ends a conversation? Aggressive agenda. You don't care about me. You've got an agenda of your own. That conversation ain't going anywhere. An argumentative posture will end a conversation. You may continue an argument for a long period of time, but the conversation's done. And the conversation is how you get to the heart, not an argument. What ends a conversation? Not comprehending the situation that you're in, the person you're with, the context that you're there, the culture they come from, the culture you bring to the, the, the context. Maybe just language. What ends a conversation? An abstract, impersonal manner on your part, our part. See? These things will end a conversation. The medium is the message. How you deliver a message is more of the message often than the words you say. I have a daughter who picked up someplace back at Penn, I think, at the university, but she had a phrase, share the gospel with everybody, and if necessary, use words. Can I, can I live my life in a way that what I say has credibility? And so what is God doing? One, God is present with us everywhere you go. He's already there. You're not taking God to any situation. You can go across the other side of the world. You're not taking God to anybody. God is already present there. Everybody knows that God is by the things that exist, says in Romans 1. 
But you're fleshing it out and you're making it verbal. You're clarifying, you're identifying, you're helping, you know, to declare that message that's there. But God's already present. He got there before you did. So every place that you're going to this coming, these weeks for the OB group that's here, God's already there. Look for him. What's he saying to people? What are, they, what are they dealing with in their heart and their life? And you can move into that in a conversation. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, if I'm in Boyle Heights under the bridge, even there your hand will lead me. And your right hand will hold me. God is pursuing the lost. Jesus, in response to his conversation with that. Zacchaeus and uh, his uh, ungodly crowd at dinner, his response to those who criticized him, he said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. God is about seeking and saving that which is lost. John 20, 21, Jesus said to his disciples, I my peace unto you as the Father has sent me, so do I send you. You're reconciled, you're a minister of reconciliation. You're an ambassador. Your salt and your light. And God is active by his spirit. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The spirit is already convicting in everybody's heart that you're coming to. They put up a wall. They've been resistant. But the spirit is still pursuit of him and convicting. It's present. Paul said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. It's what God's going to say. It's not what I say. It's what God says to you. I'm saying what he said, but what he says to your heart is what you're going to hear. And in a context of if you're arrested and you're in front of the accusers and stuff, there's a point in this in Mark chapter 13, 11. Do not worry beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. He speaks through us. Listen. Most of the time we don't hear it. God never speaks to me. You ever stop and listen? See? Take some time. An example of this in Acts chapter 8. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road, in parenthesis. I thought that was kind of cool. So Philip got up and went. And he met a guy in a chariot. He was reading the Old Testament. And Philip got in there and it explained Jesus from the Old Testament text. And the guy went on to Ethiopia. He happened to be the, the treasurer, the queen. Influenced the country for generations. Because Philip sensed a prompting in his heart to go do something. And that happens. That's not just goofy, spooky stuff. Paul was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles in Athens and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. And also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. He had conversation with them. And he ended up getting invited to speak to the entire assembly of wise people in the city of Athens. 
He just happened to be there. I love the, just the, the word that's there translated happened means together walking. So something that just happened, two things came together as they were walking that happened. And God creates happens in our life every day. And we can trust him for that. Look for it. Lee, from Shanghai, university student in Cincinnati, standing alone at O'Hare Airport, looking confused, frustrated. I walk up to him and I said, um, uh, you finding your plane okay? I didn't know what to say, but I just knew he was alone and frustrated and he was, he was an Asian. He looked, looked like he was out of place in my context. And gratefully, he spoke English. And um, he said, yeah, my plane is canceled. And so I said, well, so is mine. I had four hours. He said, so is mine. He says, I said, did you drink coffee? No, no. Did you, you hungry? No, no. If you want coffee, I'll go have some with you. I mean, just conversation, that's all. I tried to be helpful and see where it would go. Discovered he was in Cincinnati. Well, that year, National Conference for the Grace Brethren Fellowship was in Cincinnati, where he lives. I met him in June, and the conference was in July. I said, hey, I'm going to be in your city. He said, well, let's get together. We spent a whole day together in Cincinnati. I just met this guy at the airport. You see what I'm saying? You never know what's going to happen. And I spent almost an entire day going around since talking and stuff, and I never saw an opportunity door open to move anywhere with the gospel with him until we got back to the hotel. And he said, uh, he says, Ed, I know that God's important to you. I didn't say that. How does this faith work? And we talked all through my last session at conference, sitting out in the car in the parking lot, about Jesus and what he did and, and, and the whole history and the life that's there. And Lee said, my girlfriend in Shanghai believes this. I understand it now. I've lost him, but God hasn't. It just came out of a conversation. He and a school teacher, teacher of English in the city of uh, Vinh Lam, uh, Vietnam. Uh, I was there with a group and we were there helping him with their English, just speaking English and talking about life and we, in English. And we talked about everything, including our faith, because we were free to do that, speaking English. And afterwards, he came up to me. She's the teacher of the class. She says, I'd like to talk to you about this, uh, this God that you believe in. Got together that night with the other guys that were with me in the group and her father at the coffee shop. And we talked. And a friend of mine had, had talked, met her. I didn't know this, but uh, two years before in a conversation, she didn't know, understand the idea of a God creator. And he reached up and he, well, he, says, he says, who made this table? And she said, the carpenter. And he said, uh, who made this watch? And he's pointing at her watch. He said, the watchmaker. And he reaches up and pulls a leaf off the tree. He said, who made this? Oh, this is God. And that was the beginning of conversation. So anyway, I'm telling you these things to say that just do things in, the, in your relationship with people. Be helpful. Be kind. Speak of your faith and you'll have opportunity. Willie Lee, a student at Chapman University.
International Food Fair. He has the Indonesian booth, and right next to him, I had the American booth. We had hamburgers and cherry cokes. His barbecue went out. We gave him our barbecue. Got a little conversation with Willie, and uh, we invited him to uh, to Thanksgiving meal to experience the traditional American Thanksgiving meal. And that ended up in relationship over a period of two months. And by the end of January, he was a believer in Christ. All we did was barbecue with together and talk life. See what I'm saying? Prior to this text, we read at the beginning today that uh, we're new creatures in Christ, reconciled and ministers of reconciliation. And verse 14 before that, it says this. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Father, thank you for uh, what you've given us in your word. Help us as we walk through every moment of our day just to be conscious of you, that you're present. Help us to be conscious of our relationship with you. Help us to be conscious of the people around us. Give us hearts for the people around us, Lord. Give us opportunities to speak to their heart. Help us, Lord, to learn what it is to to be Jesus, to be your ambassador in every context we have in our days. We'll thank you in his name. Amen.